Uh, Pat, I've had it up to here with you. Well, you can hear me, okay? Just listen no! to me, just for a second. No! Enough! Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. You've found the Crowley Show live from the Carson City Saloon. This is the show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412 919 1316 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens. Follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian LaMartina back in our Fox Bet Studios. Make the call. Download the app today. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gamble. You can check him out on Twitter at FBomber73. And please tell your kids, tell your wife. We're doing radio up in here. I will continue to update you on the incredibly important poll that we've got going on right now. Do you fold the meat that you put on a sandwich, or do you stack the meat that you put on a sandwich? It has now taken over the show as topic A. The other topic that we've been diving into headfirst on today is the NFL CBA, and it is now in the laps of the NFL Players Association. They passed around... A couple of sheets of paper really earlier on in the day highlighting some of the things to the players so the players could weigh in and give their opinions on some of these things that would be changing if the NFL did or if the NFLPA did approve the NFL's proposal for the new CBA. And all I got to say about that is that's just a baller-ass PR move by the NFL. I asked the question to start the show. Why do a lot of fans of the league back the owners and not the players. And I think there's a number of different answers there. One of those answers is that the owners, I think, are more closely related to the team because, hey, the teams belong to them, and if you're a fan of the team, you're going to say, oh, well, I'm a fan of the owner, or vice versa. I think that's the way it goes. I do think that there's, oddly, a weird racial element that comes into play. Something I didn't really bring up all that much earlier, but I do think that there's a nugget of that in there. But... I think one of the reasons why fans are now supporting the owners, at least anecdotally in what I've seen on Twitter, is because the owners got out ahead of this thing. The owners, they came up with their proposal for the CBA. They put it out there. They leaked it to Adam Schefter. They leaked it to Pro Football Talk and Mike Florio. It gets disseminated and passed around the interwebs. It leads off every talk show in America, whether it be national or local. There's a movement now. People are talking about it when they're eating their sandwiches, whether they've folded the meat or stacked the meat at lunch. And the conversation is all about, is the NFLPA going to accept this? And now the onus is on them. It's totally brilliant. It's absolutely the play here. You want to talk about drawing up plays. Man, it is not Kyle Shanahan. It is not Sean McVay who's best at drawing up plays. It is the NFL with their public relations here. They smacked this thing out of the park. And now you've got guys like Dominique Foxworth, who's one of the smartest people at ESPN, and definitely the smartest person at ESPN as it relates to CBA-related matters. He's having to go out on Twitter and tweet out, hey, if anybody needs help understanding what's going on, there's a lot of baseless facts out there or baseless takes out there, please come holla my way. I will try to set you in the right direction. And the reason he has to do that is because the message has been warped already by the NFL. It is an absolutely brilliant brilliant strategy here when it comes to trying to paint the players into a corner. Now, as Dale Lolly mentioned earlier on in the program, if you missed it, there are a lot of quote-unquote concessions by the NFL, things that they largely don't care about, the 
marijuana stuff, they don't care that players aren't going to get suspended. They really don't. They don't give a rat's ass. That was always just a bargaining chip. That is something that now the players can say, oh, well, you're not going to spend us anymore, and the fines are going to be less. So there are some quote-unquote concessions. It is almost a totally fair deal. But I think fans are now starting to get impatient, and they're saying, oh, let's go, let's go, players. You'd be greedy, and that's what happened with the PR move. Is the NFL, which is greedy, and the players, which are also greedy, they all want as much money as they could possibly make. They are having this tug of war right now, but instead of the owners being labeled largely as greedy, you've got the players being labeled as greedy, because now it's the players that have this thing sitting on their doorstep, and they're not ratifying it, they haven't signed it. And I just want all yins out there to know that if you are thinking about this in any broader context, if you're thinking about this at all and you're saying, well, I'm trying to make sense of this, there's not going to be a lockout for another year. Because this CBA is not done until the end of the year. The end of the next league year, which is sometime, what, March or April or May. So it's not like the NFLPA has to look at this right now and lick their fingers and scroll page by page. And then in a couple of hours, by close of business day on Friday, February 21st, go, oh, crap, I've got to read faster. i got to sign this thing in the dotted line at the end or else we're going to have a lockout. No, and there's a total misconception there. Because I got a lot of people chirping at me on Twitter.com saying, crowd man, buddy, there's going to be a lockout. Now it's the player's boat. Or court made up a new thing there. And the players, they're the ones who are going to hold us back from seeing football. So that's why we like the owners is because the, the players, they're being greedy and they're saying we need to milk as much money out of this as possible. So crowd man, that's what's up. Crowd man, crowd man. Blah, 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 blah. Well, that's not the case. When J.J. Watt comes out and he says, that's going to be a hard pass for me on the collective bargaining agreement. And put, people are chirping up in his face going, you selfish son of a bitch. Well, he can say that because we've got another year plus to go before this thing is going to lead to any type of work stoppage, before it's going to lead to any type of strike. So nobody needs to worry about that right now. And I think that the NFL knows that. But what they've done is they've now made it look like the NFLPA is what's dragging their feet on this. And not that they've necessarily painted them out to be villains, but they've made them look less likable because they're the ones who are going to be sitting there, the NFLPA, with this thing on their desk, and they're the ones who now get to determine, at least by the NFL's rhetoric, whether or not this thing gets passed. I still think if you're the NFLPA, you look at this for a long time. I don't give a rat's ass at the Combines next week. you got Adam Schefter saying they would like this to be done at the Combine. Of course the owners want it to be done. It's a damn good deal for them. The players, wait and see. There's a couple of things that I would absolutely fight hard for from the NFLPA. And not that they're realistically ever going to happen. But you want to, if they're going to come forth with this being their first offer. You never accept the first offer. Now you come back with some big-time stuff, and you see what they're willing to move on. NFL players should push hard for guaranteed contracts. And then for the top-end players, because this is also about the little guy, but for the top-end players, man, I'd be busting my ass to make sure there's no more franchise tag. There's all kinds of injuries in football. I understand why that can put teams... In the product itself, because of the salary cap, in binds, 
if they sign an older player or even if they aren't an older player, it can put them in a bind against the salary cap if a player gets hurt. And you want teams spending to the cap because you want to see the best football being played out there on the field. I propose guaranteed contracts. This is the crowd man, crowd lawyer. If a player doesn't perform up to the standard of the deal and gets cut, which happens all the time in the NFL, or a player gets hurt and gets cut, I propose that the money doesn't count against the cap. Owners would still have to pay it, which means maybe they're not all that inclined to then get another player and then pay up to the cap. But I would like to see if a player gets hurt, they still make the money if they're cut. And then the team, yeah, they have to foot the bill, but you could still sign a replacement player that is going to be fine because the player that got hurt isn't going to count against the salary cap. Players then get their cash money. And if they fall short of expectation or health, they keep their money, and the team doesn't get penalized. Now, whenever I say things like this, and it happened already today to me on Twitter, people inevitably, inevitably respond with, well, if you can't live up to the contract, well, you deserve to get cut. You shouldn't make that money. You know what? In life, that's the way it works. In professional sports, in the NBA, in the NHL, and Major League Baseball, that's not the way it works. So if I'm the NFL, I'm not comparing myself to you, the janitor who sucks at his job. I'm not. I'm not comparing it to the crown man who's doing radio show, and if it sucks, you say, ah, you're fired. I'm not comparing them to that. I compare these guys to their peers. So if I'm the NFL players, I say, yes, there's a higher injury risk for us, but that goes both ways. We're going to get hurt, so I want my guaranteed money. The NFL would argue, well, you're going to get hurt, so we're not going to want to pay you. But if you look at Major League Baseball, if you look at the NHL where people get hurt all the time, you look at the NBA, you know what? Guys deserve to get paid when they sign that contract, when you put pen to paper. The NFL, the rich bajillionaire owners, they should have to deal with the cost of the potential of a player getting hurt. You're not signing a player thinking, well, this guy's going to get hurt. No, you sign him for what he is when he's healthy. And if he doesn't remain healthy, I don't want the owner having to get penalized for the salary cap because I want good football. But guess what? The player shouldn't be penalized either. What if they're good and they get hurt? It's not their fault. It's not really the team's fault either. So let's make it not hurt either all that much. I think that's fair. It's never going to happen, but I think that's fair. As for the higher-end players, if I were the head of the NFLPA, a job that I am absolutely not qualified for, I'd say death to the franchise tag. Death to the franchise tag. When a really good player has his contract come up, NFL teams can then say, oh, we're going to slap you with the tag. Now, it's a lot of money, and it is guaranteed. But it's also just for one year. If a player is good enough to merit the tag... More times than not, when they're a free agent, wouldn't they be good enough to cash in and make bank on the open market? Yeah. I think players deserve to get to the open market and earn cash at their highest damn value. So instead of Kirk Cousins, who actually benefited from this, but instead of Kirk Cousins getting franchise tagged, for quarterbacks I guess it's different, but instead of him getting franchise tagged, he goes out in the open market, people are like, we need a quarterback, and they give him $200 million. As opposed to, tag, tag, open market, now you're older. It benefited for him, maybe he's not the best example, but you understand what I'm saying here. A player who gets tagged now does not get to have teams bidding against one another in free agency. Instead, it's an average of the top five players, or whatever it is, 
and that's what you get paid for a season, fully guaranteed money. Le'Veon Bell was $14.5 million, and that's nice, but should you go out on the open market as a player who doesn't get franchised, now you're getting, what, top five player money now over four or five years? I want that. Now I'm asking for too much, but this is what negotiation's about. I also think that first-round picks, there shouldn't be a fifth-year option for them. Where the team could say, bam, fifth year option. Just happened with Bud Dupree. Maybe it helped Bud. Nine and a half million dollars he makes this last season. But when you're a first round pick, the end of your contract, I want to go out there and hit free agency. For players, it should all be about hitting free agency as the earliest possible time. Now, is that great for the league? A whole bunch of player movement? I don't know. In the NFL, you could argue, I don't want players moving all over the place because I get invested in my team because I get invested in the players they brought in. But the NBA would argue, our ratings up until this year have never really been higher, and we've got players moving all over the damn place. So I don't really know the answer to that from a fan-watching standpoint, but what I do know is from a player standpoint, if I'm the NFLPA director, I'm saying, I want my first-round picks to hit free agency after four years, not after five years, under whatever circumstances. That gives them the best opportunity to make the most money over the course of their career. Those are just some things I'd throw back in the face of the NFL, and I'd make them make decisions, and I'd continue the negotiation. Because guess what? Like I said, you've got a damn year. Let me tell you. Transparency, the number one virtue of the Crowley Show. There are days where I have so much damn energy. Never as much energy as Wesley Euler or Arthur Moe. No. I've got a whole no. bunch of energy today. I spent so much time this morning reading CBA crap and reading leaflets and reading through what becomes propaganda from people who are pushing it out for the NFL. And then I'm Googling NHL CBA stuff and NBA CBA stuff. I'm trying to do compare and contrast things. I think my eyes might fall out during the show. Now, I'll still be able to talk. I can still hear. So the radio thing can happen. But I think there's a... I put it about 50-50 chance my eyes fall out during today's radio program. A lot of research went into this one today. Yeah, when stories like this hit, it's basically like you're in law school, but none of the good things. Like, you don't come out with, like, a huge job making lots of money or anything. You don't change the world or anything like that. But you're reading legalese over and over again. Dude, it'll kill you. That's the exact reason you and I aren't lawyers. Yes. Among other things for me. Yeah, it's too much damn work. We're not smart enough. And, <laughs> again, it's too much damn work. Though I'd love to be in college for like eight years. Hey, hey I was. <laughs> ah, damn it, me too. Yeah, you went to WVU. <gasps> How bad were the Penguins last night? Really? Hint, they were bad. How bad are they trending right now? Jesse Marshall of The Athletic joins us next to discuss. Plus, what do they need at the deadline? That's next. Crowley, live from the Carson City Saloon. Brian back in the Fox Pit Studios. It's ESPN Pittsburgh. Hey, it's Carissa Thompson. Listen, I'm surrounded by endless debate. I'm hearing opinions of Hall of Famers all Sunday long. And that's what sports are about. So you can go on and on why you think your opinion is the right one or why you think this is your team's year. Now are you willing to bet on it? With the new Fox Bet app, you get the chance to show it's your opinion and your opinion alone that matters. Fox Bet. Make the call and get 20 bucks in cash for free when you download the app. Plus, we'll match your first deposit in cash up to $100. 21 and over. New Jersey or Pennsylvania only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Tom is anti-Mayo. Yeah, I don't know what, what he's texting about. Why? He doesn't like BLTs either. That's an awful take. Dude, what the... Dude, you know what I loved mayo on in college was the Chick-fil-A spicy breakfast biscuit. 
because it's a very buttery biscuit, and the mayo kind of accentuates the butter. It's why I got super fat in addition to the alcohol. Really, really good sandwich right there. Dude, don't take this weird or anything, but, like, I could sit here and listen to you say buttery biscuit all day long. Buttery biscuit, man. I'm going to butter that biscuit. Say it real slow. Butter her biscuit. I threw a her in there. You did. Say buttery biscuit. Buttery biscuit. This is where Steelers Nation plants its flag. Your home of the Steelers. We're excited about getting the job done, obviously. ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM and 106.3 FM. Oh, we got all kind of Twitter takes out there right now. I'm going back and forth with people on the NFL CBA. We'll get to that coming up in about 17 minutes again here on the Crowley Show. Also have people arguing in my mentions about the merits of celery. I think celery sucks. It is just a delivery delivery system for some actual delicious food and condiments. Also got people arguing about whether or not sandwiches should have the meat folded or stacked. Jesse Marshall joins us now to get into the Penguins, the debacle last night, and then more on the whole. But first, Jesse, your thoughts on celery? Uh, I feel, Adam, that celery has one good purpose only, and that's in a soup. You can get a celery in a <laughs> wow. soup, and I like got chicken noodle soup. It's great. You know what I mean? But you give me, like, like just a raw stock. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Get out of here. I will say this. I think you make a fine point there, Jesse Marshall, but... We've all got those friends that are kind of like chameleons, and they'll go to different friend groups, and they're just different people with different people, whoever they hang out with. That's not a great quality to have in a friend. That's kind of what celery is. They're going to take on the flavor of something that's better than them. They are chameleons. I don't know if I like that. Well, they always do the side chat early. You know, they, they, they come to the, the party with the popular person. They didn't get invited. You know, They're only there <laughs> by of knowing that person. You know, So, I mean, I get it. And I just want to make one more comment. I don't know who out there is, is, is missing out on stacking their meats, but get, get it real. Come on. If you're folding your meats, you got a problem. See, Brian's a meat folder. I'm a meat stacker, but it's only because it, I've never tried the folding. No, don't do it. Brian's going to stack one day, and then he's going to come. Oh, I can't believe I folded. <laughs> it's all the presentation, Jesse. It's nice and folded. It's fluffy. The condiments okay. have crevices. It's, it's... All right. Amanda Freitag's not judging my meals after I'm done <laughs> making them in my kitchen here. Okay? It's been chopped. You never know when she could show up. <laughs> Jesse Marshall right yeah. now is bringing some of the best fire we've had from Jesse Marshall in a not hockey-related capacity. He, of course, from The Athletic, joining us on The Crowley Show, which today is live from the Carson City Saloon Bud Light Happy Hour from 6 until 7. Okay, Jesse, last night, it's a really bad game. You get Toronto when Toronto's manhood basically has been called out by their media and by their fan base. They were going to put their foot down. They did. The Penguins did not play well. But as your cohort Rob Rossi wrote in The Athletic and has, has been pointed out by you and some others, the Penguins' defense has kind of been lacking of late. Is this, as Mike Sullivan said last night, a commitment thing? Or is this a, hey, we lost Marino and we lost Dumoulin and now we lost Zach Aston Reese thing? Well, Mike Sullivan, even if he believes that's not going to say it, uh, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, probably more column uh, B than column A. Um, commitment's a tough thing to define. I mean, I do think that there are on-ice behaviors that the Penguins are kind of engaged in right now. They're driving him a little bit crazy. 
And I think those behaviors are, as always with the Penguins, specific to how they want to get the puck out of their end. Um, and, and there's a, you know, sometimes they lack a little bit of that live to fight another day mentality. Um, and it's that now, now, now we got to go. Uh, I think sometimes when they're more methodical, they could be, you know, even more difficult to handle. Now, that being said, they're down Brian Dumoulin, whose value can never be, uh, you know, properly stated analytically or, or video wise. Right? We know what he does. Um, you know, he's a wet blanket over the opposing team's offense. And you had John Marino, who basically stepped in and assumed that role from Brian Dumoulin when he got hurt. Uh, so it's a huge gap, not even to mention, you know, Dominic Cahoon and Zach Aston Reese, who are two of their best defensive forwards. So, you know, look, those are tough injury hurdles for any team to overcome. Um, I think it's a huge part of it. They can certainly take care of their own house a little bit better, too. Um, but, I, you know, we know that they have the goods to do it. And, and uh, I, I think the benefit here is, is you know, they're aware of it. Uh, and they've got a coach who has a track record of being able to kind of corral them back into this thing. Yeah, I feel like they will be corralled, and I do feel like they are going to be okay. Uh, what do you think that they need at the deadline, Jesse? I know that GMJR told Josh Joey that they're looking for bottom six help. Now we'll see what happens with Dominic Cahoon. I would imagine that that's not going to change that, but only amplify a need. Do they need a defenseman, too? Well, we're going to find out tomorrow because tomorrow is the day that Jim Rutherford is going to receive the medical updates on John Marino and Brian Dumoulin. Um, so I, uh, you know, when when, jo- uh, when Josh spoke uh, to Jim uh, this week, uh, that's one of the things that he said is I'm not really probably in a position to do anything before I get those updates on Saturday because that's that's going to be basically what dictates you know the direction that he goes. And if tomorrow's updates are anything. Uh, other than, you know, Dumoulin and Marino are fine and are going to be back real soon, then all of a sudden maybe that plan changes a little bit. Um, I, you know, I, I still think it wouldn't be a huge splash defensively. You're looking at maybe a number six somewhere that can come in and, um, you know, take a, um, you know, a spot similar to, um, you know, and the Penguins have done this uh, in the past with uh, the, escaping me now, the trade they made with Philadelphia via proxy of Tampa Bay. Oh, uh, was it? Years ago, Adam. It wasn't Strite, was it? Yeah, Mark Strite. Thank you. Yeah. 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 So, you know, a player like that. Um, but if Dumoulin and uh, Marino are on track, uh, I think you got a bottom six forward coming in. Now, maybe not even a bottom six forward, Adam, a versatile forward that can maybe play both sides up and down the lineup. Uh, that's, that's a dime a dozen, or not, not a dime a dozen player. That's a hard player to come by, but I, I think it's the one that, that Jim Rutherford's kind of looking for. Do you have any names? I mean, Connor Sherry's the one that was floated out there in Yoey's story, and I'd imagine that that's not by accident. So how would he fit again? And are there any other names out there that could perhaps fit the bill from a forward perspective, I should clarify? Nemestikov's one uh, that's popped up a couple times. Um, you know, I'm intrigued by that. Uh, I, you know, I don't know about the versatility perspective, um, but I think he's a player from a skill set perspective that, uh, the Penguins could, could do pretty well to play alongside like a Patrick Hornquist, you know, just a wrecking ball that's going to go out there and create space for him to shoot. Um, he's a good two-way player as well, and I think that's really important. It's a, defensively, he would fit in. Um, I think the familiarity that Connor Sherry has with how this place works um, is a, a big bonus, as is, again, his speed and versatility. Um, I, I think really uh, those are two names that kind of jumped out, I think, over the course of the last what week now. Um, and and you know, probably two things, two names we'll hear more of over the course of the next 48 hours. Jesse Marshall, the Athletic, joining us here on the Crowley Show. I brought this up earlier in the week. Sidney Crosby had that four-point performance against Toronto. 
He is sixth in the league in points per game. Evgeny Malkin seventh in the league in points per game. The five guys ahead of them, on average, 24.4 years of age, and Artemi Panarin is a little bit closer to 30 than that, so he skews it in that direction. How impressive is it what these guys are doing? And, boy, it makes you start to not necessarily rethink the window because you do never know when that's going to stop, but... Man, I thought last year might have been the end for Evgeny Malkin, and it's hardly that, clearly. Um, honestly, Adam, I think it does make you rethink the window. Um, here's an interesting little tidbit. Um, really great analytics website, albeit a little brash at times, Evolving Hockey. Do um, <laughs> a group of twins. Yeah, I, I say that because if you follow them, they're going to say some things. They're gonna they are. Be like, I can't believe I'm following this account. Um, but they, they put out their projections for next year's basically even paint, even strength point scoring pace. And Sidney Crosby's fifth. All right. And their model takes age regression into account. And he's still fifth. And I, and I jokingly said, like, you'll send this report out for the 2060 season. And we'll be sitting here like, man, Crosby's 20th. <laughs> you know, I just, it just seems like it, it's, you know, and every other way that he has done it over the course of his career, he's just defying the odds once again. Um, and he's getting more cerebral. You know, his vision's gone to another level. You know, it's almost like where one faculty is diminished, you know, the other one's enhanced. You know, he loses, maybe he loses burst, but he gains vision. You know, and his lethal, you know, capacity is, is, and threat level hasn't dropped at all. And I, um, you know, you look more towards next season with some of the youth they have on the team. Um, and it's actually, you know, pretty exciting to consider what the next three to four years even might look like. Threat level midnight. Jesse, appreciate the time as always, man. Thanks a lot, and thank you for trying to talk some stacked sandwich into my friend Brian LaMartina. Yeah, yeah, I'm telling you, Brian's coming in on Monday with a stack fuller of, of roast beef on rye. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. I will try it. I will try Okay, and I'll fold for this weekend. How about that? There we'll, you we'll go. Be next week. Wow. Yeah, Dayton yeah. achieved. My God, yeah, we're reaching there, across there. the aisle here. It does not happen we in this country very often. Yeah, exactly. Goodbye, Jesse. That is Jesse Marshall of The Athletic. I love that man. Uh, he's very good with the hockey. And, my God, he came strong with the fold versus stack takes there. You know what? I feel like we should do that. Although, Brian, I mean, you're married to your ways. I'm not. Like, I don't care about stack versus fold. So, like, I'll try the fold, even though Jesse's big time in on the stack. Now, if I'm you and I've been doing fold forever and I love fold... I think I'd probably keep folding. I mean, it doesn't hurt to maybe do one sandwich, but w- you never know what sandwich might be your last. You never do. And and don't forget, Crowley, I've got a professional sandwich background. I, I worked at a Heavenly Ham in a mall for, for roughly a couple months. So I, I come from, a, uh, from an experience perspective. I worked at Brugger's Bagels, <laughs> and they told us just put this much meat on the sandwich. And it was all kind of chip-chopped, so I don't know if it was folded or if it was stacked. It was kind of a little bit of both. It, it, was, it was in need of the, uh, an LGBTQ <laughs> distinction there, that meat. It, it, we didn't know if it was folded. Oh, I love BLTs. That's a good joke. <laughs> I do. Shirtless Tom arguing with us in our group chat right now about a myriad of different sandwich takes. We're going to get to the NFL CBA coming up in about five minutes here. But he asked a question, do you like the Reuben or the Rachel more? And uh, how about this? Yeah, get the hell out of here with it. With it's the Rachel. I don't need Title Nine in my sandwiches. Just because there's a Reuben doesn't need to mean there needs to be a female version of that sandwich. I'm good with just a male only Reuben style sandwich. <laughs> don't throw chert, turkey and coleslaw on that and call it a Shirley or whatever the hell you call it. That's BS, man. 
there's there's gonna be a sandwich one day that it's gonna be called like the gene and it is just gonna be two pieces of toasted rye bread <laughs> and it's and that is gonna be the lgbtq option of the sandwich it, it is just bread maybe some lettuce on there the sandwich has not declared a sandwich gender so i don't know what being... pronoun to use for the sandwich <laughs> And yes, we make light of this. I'm very pro-LGBTQ, but I don't need it in my sandwich. Damn it! I always wonder what it'd be like to eat one of those, though. Uh, an LGBTQ? <laughs> Great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined next. They're people, Brian. It tastes the way it always tastes when you're doing that. <laughs> CSP in Pittsburgh. For the latest lines and info on all college and pro football games, check out some of the best names in Pittsburgh sports on the Fox Bet You Make the Call podcast on iHeartRadio. Search Fox Bet. Fox Bet. Make the call. Download the app today. Adults 21 and over. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. <laughs> I think that's what Two Girls, One Cup was about. <laughs> that was ice cream. Oh, damn, I think. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just going to say it was. Has there ever been a sandwich, like, sitting unassumingly on a corner whenever you're banging and it's just waiting there for you whenever you're done with the sex dude true story first time i ever got to uh shut the door on that chapter of my life immediately after it was done i reached for a sandwich it was a hamburger actually that was cold <laughs> from earlier in the day but i i was hungry it's a sandwich i reached for it and i grabbed it, it a cold hamburger is a sandwich that's how i rom- romance the girls up <laughs> here split my burger with me. <laughs> yeah here here you know, but check out ESPN Pittsburgh's new and improved signal in Allegheny County on 106.3 FM. The same great programming with Tunch and Wolf, The Godfather, and Adam Crowley, but with a bigger, better signal in Allegheny County. ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM, and now on the new and improved 106.3 FM. This report is sponsored by Staples Stores. ESPN Pittsburgh Traffic. Parkway East inbound jams edge with the sick cooch before I get in trouble, so you're fine. I'm good? That's K-U-C-H. Yeah, nothing wrong with cooch. No! Adam Crowley. Cooch be good. I love cooch, in fact. On ESPN Pittsburgh. Dominic Foxworth, who I wanted to come on the show today at 6 p.m., to get into the nuances of the NFL CBA is not going to join us, and that's because when he said on Twitter, who wants to talk about this, he was asking kind of open-endedly, and he was not asking so that I could respond with, hey, come on, ESPN Pittsburgh at 6. So please bear with us as we now clang and clunk our way through NFL CBA talk, which we've been doing for the better part of the last hour and 42 minutes. Bry Guy, what time is it? And now it's time for the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun. Brought to you by To Be Determined. Woo! Andrew Brandt of the NFL Network, he tweets out, What exactly is the risk in the NFLPA trying to get a better deal? That the NFL shuts down negotiations for 13 months while it tries to sell the networks on labor peace? Good luck with that. Yeah, I don't think there's a risk right now on the NFL Players Association saying, "Eh, you know, we're going to hold on to this a little bit. When the NFL and the owners in particular present the NFLPA with the 
labor agreement that they want to be ratified and signed by the end of the combine next week. If I'm the NFLPA, I'm looking at that and I'm kind of chortling a little bit. I'm saying, no, we're going to take some time. We're going to get the pulse of the people. We're going to come back with our own demands. And we're going to see if we can find a way that we can land in the middle. In fact, if the NFL is coming out and the owners are saying, we are willing to, if we go to a 17-game season, give you 48.5% of the revenue... Well, if that's their starting point, I'm trying to get it as close to 50 as possible. Now, maybe that's where they'll wind up, but I'm coming back saying 50, and we'll see where it goes. And I think that that's just smart negotiation. Now, here's one of the interesting nuances with the NFL CBA that not a lot of people might grasp, or maybe you do. Maybe I'm just assuming that you're all stupid idiots out there, is that the players are going to make 48% if they were to sign this deal if it doesn't go to 17 games, if it goes to 17 games, they would take it now up to 48 and a half. So there is a little bit of breathing room there. It's been reported out there, well, there's going to be a 17-game schedule. Maybe. Now, what we do know for certain next year, although it hasn't been officially made official yet, is that there will be an expanded playoffs. Dale Lawley. He, not being Dominique Foxworth, is still a very smart guy as it relates to the NFL-CBA. He let us know that it's not collectively bargained whether or not you can add or subtract playoff teams. And I would imagine the reason for that for the NFL Players Association is that, well, okay, if you want to add playoff teams, more of my dudes going to be happy because they're going to make the playoffs. And then more of my dudes going to be happy because they're getting that playoff check, which is what everybody wants. You know, people get excited about winning the Super Bowl because it's something they've dreamed of their entire lives. But people also get excited when they win the Super Bowl because that's one week of pay for the playoffs. Two weeks of pay for the playoffs. Three weeks of pay for the playoffs. Sometimes four weeks of pay for the playoffs. 90K, 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 and we happy people. And while there are some dudes where 90K is like chump change, what's up, Ben Roethlisberger? If two's our skippers on the 53-man roster, and he's making $570,000, whatever it is, and now it's been multiple, now you got 90 plus 90, that's 180 plus 180, you're talking about 360 bam fast WVU math. That's $360,000 that you weren't going to previously make. So the NFL Players Association, apparently they don't have to sign off on the playoffs being expanded. So that's something that's already going to get worked out with TV, and I think that that is important to note. Now, as for the 17 games, I said this yesterday, I'm saying it today, players don't want 17 games. Fans don't want 17 games. So the NFLPA should say, if it doesn't get to 50-50 on the revenue being shared, I think the NFLPA should be like, all right, we'll take our, eventually, we'll take our 48.5, but with the 16-game schedule. I'm interested to see, if you were to, say, put a fly on the wall in the owner's meeting, I'm sure that they would all say, of course, they want to go to 17 games. Although I think there were actually a couple that didn't, so maybe I'm wrong there. But are they okay with it not and it still just being used kind of as a bargaining chip to now where the players will be like, oh, well, we're going to play 16, but it's only 48% of the pie. I'm sure some of them would say yes. Brian, this CBA shiz is turning my brain to mush right now, man. 
It's a mushy subject, man. You're dealing with money. You're dealing with legalese and all kinds of stuff like this. And in the end, there's going to be billionaires that are even more billionaires, and there will be millionaires that are going to be more millionaires. It's just all the bickering in between that is fun to watch because it's like you ask you or me, right? And and I'm not really coming down on either side because this is a labor dispute, and let those guys do what they need to to hash it out and get a season. But you put it into perspective of you or I. Somebody offers me... I don't know, say 25% of my salary, 10% of my salary to go an extra day, to go another extra day, to go another extra day, to go another extra day. Look, knowing the short-term career that I'm faced with in the NFL, I'm taking everything I can get while it's on the table. If you want to give me a 25-game season, put those checks in the bank so I can get in here and get out of here. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that it, it, it also, for them, can become a player safety thing. The players themselves, and yeah, you want to make your money and get the hell out of there, but now you're playing, maybe you're playing fewer seasons, and I'm not sure how that would equate money-wise, so maybe it winds up being more, maybe it winds up being the same. I'm not so sure, because again, it took me five years to graduate from West Virginia University with a degree in broadcasting, for Christ's sakes. I think that there's an opportunity cost thing that comes into it, too. Like, if someone would say Crowley, I'm going to give you, you're going to do a bunch more shows, and we're going to give you a bunch more money. I think I would say, yeah, duh, I want money. I got a baby. I got a family. I want to pay for my baby and my friggin' family. Like That's what I want to do. But now you're starting to figure, I'm not going to spend as much time with my family. So you have to kind of weigh the cost of the money versus the cost of spending time with your family. And I think for the NFL players, I'm sure some guys would say, Give me an extra game and give me more money. And I'm sure some guys at the top might say, and I think that's really what it boils down to, maybe you give me 16 games and a little bit less money. I think I'll be fine with it. AV would be great with it because that's less time for the cops to come to his house. That's less time he has to dress the kids and cook breakfast for him. So he'd be all right with that. He'd play extra games. Yeah, AB needs to play 30 games. (laughs) Yeah, just to keep him out of trouble. Actually, frankly, 52. (laughs) Because then he got one a week for the entire year, and he's going to stay out of trouble. It's like the after-school program. It's 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 like the police athletic league, yeah. That's exactly (laughs) what it is. If they're not out causing trouble because they're here, woo! (laughs) When I was combing over the NFL CBA stuff this morning and reading what the NFLPA sent to its players to kind of look over before they got back into the negotiation process some of the stuff that makes a lot of sense that was not necessarily a concession by the nfl but kind of them throwing a bone was the practice squad players getting their salary bumped more players on rosters which i think now makes sense to me before i said ah you want to spread a lot more money over a smaller pie but you want to ensure yourself be a member of the league with the expanding roster. So I get that. And then the other thing is, you've got marijuana, where not only are they testing for a two-week window, the penalties are not going to be bad at all. And this is why I want to make it damn clear that I've been trying to choose my words as carefully as possible here. The NFL, as Dale said earlier, is not making concessions. Dale used the word concessions. I don't look at it that way. The NFL, honestly, truthfully, the owners, they don't want their players to be suspended for pot. 
They want to look the other way because they want their assets to be out there on the field. Fans don't want the players to be suspended for pot. They don't care what you do in the privacy of your own home, especially if it doesn't make it to its uh, to our public ears. Then what the hell do they care? Uh, don't ask, don't tell. Uh, what you don't know ain't going to hurt you. Ignorance is bliss. They don't give a crap about marijuana testing. So when I hear that the NFL is not going to suspend guys anymore, and that's a concession, they're giving up, the owners, something that they want to give up. Like That's not an actual concession. Whenever I hear that, I think, oh, wow, good for you. Then you hear, well, we're going to give you a bigger piece of the pie. Right now it's 47% revenue uh, that's making its way to the players. We're going to go 48. If we add a 17th game, we'll go to 48.5%. That's not a concession. That's brilliance. That's we need TV money. We're going to make money hand over fist. We're going to add a game. We're going to give them a little bit more of the pie, but we're still going to wind up making more money. There's no concession there. And then the worst thing possible could be that the NFL Players Association's like, ah, we're not going to do this. And, okay, now it's 48%. The, the NFL is right now Harlem Globetrottering the shiz out of the PA. Now it's early. And like I've been saying, you've got a damn mother bleeping year. So the NFLPA, take your damn time with this and make sure you come back. But the public is putting pressure now on the NFLPA. we got to get this done because they don't know the whole details. They think, oh, my God, there might be a lockout next year. Not going to happen. You've now got the court of public opinion thinking, well, these are all concessions by the NFL when they're really not. NFLPA, take your time. Throw out some PR spin of yourself, of your own. And get this thing back to an even playing field in the court of public opinion. Because right now, you're getting dunked over right now like you're the Washington friggin' generals. Pitt is a bunch of cheater, cheater pumpkin eaters. I can't believe I wrote that as a tease. Did you really? <laughs> that You actually wrote that down? I wrote that down, and <laughs> as I'm going into it and reading it, there's a speed bump in the middle. I'm like, what the hell did I write here? That's a total F-up. But no, that's what I wrote. Pitt is a bunch of cheater, cheater pumpkin eaters. <laughs> it's not even Halloween. I don't know where you would get that. Uh, not even really close. <laughs> we are very far away from Halloween right now. Uh, hundreds upon hundreds of days for moving forward in the calendar. They cheat is what they do. And while you might think that's not a big deal, well, it kind of gives an exclamation point to what I think was the worst hire in Pitt Athletics history, and that's saying something. That's next, cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. On the Crowley Show. The best hour of sports talk takes place every Friday from 6 till 7 p.m. with Adam Crowley in the Bud Light Happy Hour. Join Adam every Friday at the Carson City Saloon on the south side and wrap up the week of sports and enjoy a Bud Light. Didn't get to hear breaking sports stories? Don't worry. Adam has you covered with the Bud Light Happy Hour. End your long work week with Adam Crowley, the Carson City Saloon, and the Bud Light Happy Hour. Keep it crisp with Bud Light. I'm just in a constant tug of war, not unlike NFL versus NFL PA, going back and forth with my wife about what the frig we're going to eat for dinner tonight. What are you going to have? I don't know yet. What, do you, we what keep, are the we options? Keep, uh, breakfast for dinner, which is out because I don't want to cook. I don't want her to cook because I want to eat something good. That sounded bad. That came Whoa. out wrong. I did not mean that to be degrading de- 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 to her. Whoa, don't say that on the air. Degrading to her. This report is sponsored by Nature Valley Oats and Honey Crunchy Bars. ESPN Pittsburgh Traffic. Jammed on 79 northbound right around the Parkway North Merge. And that because of a crash on the show.